Welcome to Smart, Fabulous, and Single. I'm your host, Trisha Ann. Today, I'm going into the chat room where I usually invite ladies to share their thoughts, personal experiences, and lessons learned in relation to this week's topic. The conversations are really eye-opening, and we usually uncover nuggets to help us live this single life like a boss. So, stick around for today's episode, and if you have any questions, email me at pod at sfswoman.com. Also, if you and or your girls want to be guests in the chat room, visit the Smart, Fabulous and Single podcast page at www.sfswoman.com. Welcome back to Smart, Fabulous and Single. I am your host, Trisha Ann, and I'm excited today to have with me my guest, Yasmin Campbell, She's going to be talking to us about breakup, separation, and divorce. And I'm, I'm looking forward to her story on the matter, right? Yasmin Campbell is a gifted math teacher and licensed minister who is committed to helping youth succeed academically, relationally, and spiritually. She holds a Master of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, a Master's in Education from Harvard, and a Bachelor of Science in Electronics from the University of the West Indies. She's recently divorced and is a proud mother of two boys. And I know she has an interesting story to share, and I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, what she's been through and how she bounced forward from it so stay with us listen to the full episode ladies because i'm sure we have a lot to learn from yasmin yasmin thank you so much for joining me on the smart fabulous and single podcast i'm just excited to hear from you you know because i know we're gonna learn some stuff so welcome 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 and thanks once again Thank you very much, Trisha. So I would share that um, I got married uh, 15 years ago and I had met this person from a, from a long time and we did ministry together. And my interest in him was not there until after a while when he began expressing interest and it went on. Um, but for most of the time during the, in our courtship, there were persons that would you know, caution me, uh, my pastor would, my youth director would, and even right up to when we had decided to get married, my, my brother intervened and said he heard some stuff and I shouldn't marry him. So he told my mom, mom, you're going to the wedding? Please go and mash up the wedding. Do not let it happen. So my mom came a week before and she was in a, she was a bundle of nerves. She was like, what am I going to do? I have the dress, I have everything, but this is what I'm hearing. Are you going to go through with this or not? And I said, mom, I'm going to go through it. And in hindsight, I think that if I had not gone through it, I wouldn't have gone through the things that I went through. You know, but then when you're young and you think that, okay, you're, you're in your early 30s now, you want to get married, you, you, you want to have your family and children, this person can change, this person will change, but the person did not change. So everything that I saw before the marriage, it just became blown up in the marriage. The cheating became blown up. It was bigger than before. You know, it produced outside children. And even at one point in the marriage, I took in one of those children. And I said, you know, I, I, I forgive this person. I am going to work with this person because that's what a true Christian marriage is. You forgive. 
and there is vulnerability. But guess what? There was trust. There was trust on my side. I trusted him, but he didn't live up to the trust. So we took care of the child, and I should say that the child is the same age as our first child, same month, only a couple of days apart. Just to tell you that this cheating was happening at the very onset of our marriage. There was um, there was also financial abuse where he was taking the money that I was earning to take care of his outside interests and um, and child, and it it just went on. And and, and I have to go back a little. I. Just thought, when I found out about it, I was pregnant. I was like probably what six, uh, or just a, a a a couple months pregnant. And I was actually studying to get into um, a master's program overseas. I was in a very good job. And I remember studying with a friend. She came to my house and she looked at me. And she said, "You have it all." And in inside, I'm crying on the inside. I'm in I'm in pain because I am pregnant. I found out about the affair and I'm still studying and I, I have an exam like the next morning and she's looking at me. I, she says, you know, I'm sorry. I wasn't pregnant. I actually had the baby. So she said, you have a beautiful baby. You have a wonderful husband. You have a lovely apartment. You have it all. I envy you. And I'm just looking at her smiling and on the inside I'm cringing because I couldn't tell her what I was going through. I went the morning and I did that exam and I got into Harvard. And, you know, so in the midst of all the pain and what I was going through, God was there just carrying me and walking with me. And I got into the, the, the all, I got accepted into all the master's program, but I went to the one that I considered to be the top because the name is known. So I went overseas, I left my job and I was planning to leave the person. And I ended up not listening to the family and the friends who encouraged me to leave him because it, it, it's, it's leave worthy. You know, if somebody cheats, commits adultery, that is grounds for dismissal of the marriage. However, I decided to forgive him and we went back together, but the cheating never stopped. And so it went on and on until many years later, even after taking his son and looking after his son as my own and trying to explain to people why I have two children who born the same month and them three days apart. Can you really have twins that are three days apart? And I'll have to tell them, no, one is biologically mine and one is not. So um, later on till about like the 13th year of our marriage, I heard the Lord speak to me clearly and say, you cannot amount to anything much. You will always have these curses come upon you. Because I would question God, why is it I'm almost getting there, almost receiving this and keep losing it? And he showed me that there is a curse on your covenant because of what your other partner is involved in. He's bringing a curse right into the home. And the only way you can get out of this is if you break that covenant in order to break the curse. And I remember going, I was, I was scared. And I remember I went to, to China and while there, coming back, the Lord kept saying, you need to go on a fast, you need to fast. Because I knew I didn't have the strength or the willpower to look him in the face and say, it's over and actually stick to it. I've done it before and I kept taking him back. And so I finally did it um, after going on a 40-day fasting and prayer. And I finally made the decision. Enough is enough, it's over. And I was able to walk away. And it's now been a year and a half. And I feel so free. I feel light. I am happier. And I'm able to do the things that, that God wants me to do. And I'm just seeing the blessings of God, the favor of God. And the only regret 
is that I took so long. So I have a question here, um, Yasmin, because I can identify with all but the um, taking in his child. You know, exactly what you've described I went through. So I understand completely. But but tell me a little bit about what it was like for you navigating all of this. I mean, I know what it was like for me, but how how did it feel? What what did you have to do to to stay alive and to stay mentally well and, and, and that kind of thing? You know, tell me a little bit about that. Boy, what should I say? Um, When I first found out, it was just very crushing. I was just getting ready to start the master's program. And in the midst of starting, um, he pulled out money out of the account that I needed to go to school. His girlfriend had access to the account because he gave her the card. And she pulled out. And I would tell you that in one day, I missed a million Jamaican dollars, just like that. And this was for school because Harvard was not cheap. At the time, it was like 60,000 or 70 something thousand US I had to have in my account. And I just saw the money disappeared. And it, it was disgraceful. My, my family, my, my brother said, one of my brothers said, don't talk back to me again until you leave this man. And then I ended up staying with the man so I couldn't talk to my brother. <laughs> and I went, I went through isolation. I felt isolated. And he would say, hey, persons don't want us to see us together. We're good together. I just need you to bear with me and work with me. This was just a one-off event. It wasn't an affair. I don't like her. She is nothing like you. And it went on. And so there are times when I would believe him and he would blame me or say, you need to take some responsibility for this, um, you know, for where we are, because you didn't do this as wife or you didn't do this. And, and so I took on some of the blame. And then after a while, I said, oh, no, I am not responsible for your actions. You are, because what you did to me didn't cause me to go out there ever to say, I'm going to cheat back on you. or I'm going to find, I never did that. And after a while, the child reached seven years old. You're crying to me saying the mother not taking good care of your son and you just want to take him away from her so that you won't have to send her money anymore. And so I agreed. I felt pity. I took the child in, loved him as my own. Nobody would know that he is not mine. And even today, this child still loves me. And I went through that. I went through the isolation. I went through feeling ashamed. I couldn't tell people. Persons would wonder, ask questions, and I just had to keep it quiet, keep it private. There, there's a, another thing I went through, Trisha, and um, I went through sickness because, you know, when you, you keep all this in and you're working hard, because I was a major breadwinner and I was doing all of this stuff, I started to get ill. So here, the first thing I got diagnosed with diabetes. And it, I know it had to do with a lot of the stress and working hard and doing school in the evenings, taking care of the babies, working still in the afternoons, taking three jobs. He was barely bringing in anything. So I was doing it mostly. And I had to be in the back of my mind, okay, this man is a minister because he's a minister. He's a licensed minister. And he um, just brought in stuff there and there. He just didn't have a church. And I remember after getting sick, with diabetes, about a year or two later, I was diagnosed with um, some rare skin disease and they thought it was cancer. And I had to go get a lot of prayer, get people, because lesions would just come out all over my body. Then it started coming over on my face and my eyelid. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? 
And the Lord just started to speak into my spirit and says, you are under a curse. You need to come up from under that curse. And I, I, I thank God today that all of that cleared up. So the doctors came back and said, we thought it was cancer, but it's no longer. But I'm telling you, if I had stayed in it, I would have died. Because the next thing he asked me is, you know, the daughter that they said I have, would you take her as well? So here I have two boys. I'm taking his first daughter. Now I'm taking in, I've taken in now his son. So I have four kids and he wants me to take a fifth one. Why? Because you're such an excellent mother. And I'm saying, no way. If I take in the fifth one, then a fifth, I, I mean, add, add to the number, make it five. He's going to keep doing this and then want me to take care of all them. What kind of woman am I? And so I had to recognize that you pity others. You pity the man that is hurting and abusing you. You need to pity the woman that is being abused. You need to feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> for want of a better way of explaining it. And then I realized I have dignity. I have respect for myself. And I will not allow you to do this anymore. It broke up the family. My stepson had to go back to his mom. And he's not happy at all. You know, the, the oldest daughter, so, because I was the backbone of that family. And so I broke it up. And my sons, they're not happy to be away from their dad. But guess what? They understand that their mother needs to stay alive. Their mother needs to stay healthy. So we're making it work here. We, I came back to Jamaica and we are adjusting. And I'm blessing God for what he's doing so far. Um, it's very interesting to me that he would want you to take care of all, all these children, you know, he, he would want you to mother them. How did um, the mothers of the children respond to the fact that you would now become this, I guess, surrogate mother, you know, this replacement mother, because now you are taking care of their children. They're not, is it that they also saw the children? They came over. I mean, like, how did that work? It, it, it it's very puzzling to me. I've not had that experience in my life. <laughs> so it's very puzzling to me, you know? So I'm trying to understand, how does that work, you know? I, I must say, I'm very impressed with your humility and just the love you have for children and youth that you would be willing. Um, you're a young person. You are, you, you know, you're not, you're not my grandma's age. You're not even my mom's age. You're a young person. This is the kind of thing that back in the day, my grandmother's time, mm -hmm. you know, that yes. did as young persons, we don't do that anymore. So I think it's very impressive, the kind of humility that you had to have to do this. But then how did it work? What about the other women? How did they feel? What did they do? This is, this is so, for me, unreal. You know, so, we, so tell us about that. So, so this is just one mother and um, she had two kids and well, she, she says the two of them are for him, but I think I'm now convinced that it's just the boys, you know, but at the time I said, you know what, if you weren't sleeping with her, she wouldn't be able to tell you that the second child is yours as well. Because he promised marriage to her. He did all the stuff. So I finally got a chance to talk to her a few years ago and she said, why did you take so long? And at the time when I was talking to her, it was 2015, I was bound, I was so hell-bent on divorcing this man. And she says, you can divorce him all you want. He gives me everything. He takes from you, he gives to me. So guess what? I'll take him. Of course, it never happened. He begged for me to forgive and I forgive him. And that was the very year I took the child. And when I took the child, I should call, she would call regularly. How is the woman treating you? 
please don't call our mother, please call our auntie, whatever. So she would make try to keep those boundaries in place. But it, it didn't work because the child says, you treat me better than my mother. Can I call you mom? And I said, yes, that's fine. I got him into program. So we're in the States. He came up from Jamaica. So he's getting a good life there. She thinks that no woman should be so nice to her child, especially the woman of the man that she's having an affair with. So it must be that there is something in it that I'm getting. Of course, there's nothing in it. Child was just a good little boy and, and easy to love you know, and easy to please. So, so I worked with him, got him into different sports because he's very athletic and the whole works. She was absolutely jealous. But to this day, she will say to me, you're a good woman. You're a good mother. I couldn't do half what you do. I take my hat off to you. She will say those things. She said, if, she, if anything I want her to do, she will do it. She'll tell the whole world the kind of person I am because of what I did for her son. And to this day, she's the type of child he is and how we, how, just how mature and how he works. And, and she says, I thank you for those few years when you had my son. I see the difference. And so I can tell you the jealousy was there. The mistrust was there. But she, she couldn't help but see that her child was happy while he was with us. And that I wasn't mistreating him when the father wasn't around. It was, I was just being genuine. And so it's just that one mother and that was her experience. And she says, boy, She's never met a woman like me, and you know she 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 she's been grateful. She's and and they're all grateful. In fact, right now he wants to come live with me, but I am not. I don't have space, time, or money, and so I I just let him come and spend a few days or a couple of weeks at a time, and he they're very grateful for that. This is so admirable, you know, that you would have taken him into your home and loved upon him despite regardless of what was happening you know the, the the heartache that he must have been feeling um but you mentioned that this person is a licensed minister mm -hmm. um uh, you spoke a lot about your family and the friends but what about the church how what were the implications for doing ministry and and how did the church support or not support? I mean, you know, what was all of that like? Mm. Even though he's a licensed minister from um, Church of God of Prophecy, I would, I would mention the denomination because he does not do much with the church anymore for, the, for many years. Um, and so I am from another denomination. And so we came together. I do still get support from my denomination, but while we were in the States, I was more uh, with the Baptist ministry because they were very much, very helpful while I, while I was doing my divinity program. It's weird though. He doesn't go to church, for church. So I would take the kids to church and he would hardly come. I would have to beg him to come. The only time he would go to church is if he's invited to preach. And preach he can. This man preaches. This man prophesies with accuracy. This man could do a lot. So... I, it used to confuse me because I would think that he, when he tells me saying change and he's consecrated, I see him ministering at a higher level that I didn't reach in areas of ministry and flowing in the gifts. And I would say, yeah, man, he's consecrated. He's not doing this because nobody can be doing all this and not be consecrated. It just never makes sense to me. And it took, when I went on like 40 days of fasting, I started, the, 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 I mean, it's like, 
the mist or whatever it was just dropped. And I realized, Yasmin, he is doing both. He's still in sin. He still has, and he's not one woman anymore. It's many. And whether he's doing it on the phone or whatever, but he's still doing it. And he's still ministering at this level. So I realized that he possessed the gifts, but the, the closeness and the, the, the anointing is not quite there. It's a gift that he has. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I had to reach that place of understanding and stop being fooled every time, thinking that the more anointed he seems is the more consecrated he is. No. And once I understood that, it's like the cloud dropped and I realized you are free to walk away from this. You don't need this. You don't want this. You need freedom from this. And it, it was awesome. I, I, I spoke with a pastor who counseled me and he said, I hate divorce, but I hate what you are going through. It's worse than divorce. This is abuse and you need to take away yourself from this. And, and I said to him, but what about all these ministries that he does and people crying and being ministered to falling out and talking about the, you know, giving testimonies. What is this? And he says, psychics can do that too. Have you ever thought that he might be working with a psychic power? You don't know. But I can, I can tell you this, that's that what he's doing there, that's not of God. Because when you get close to God, you cannot be sinning like this. It just doesn't work. And that helped to free me and, and free me from his clutches, from what he would say about God ordaining this and God this and God that. And I, said, and I, I was able to, to pull myself free from that. I would call it prophetic witchcraft, prophetic witchcraft and control. You know, um, this is a valid point that you have raised here because the reality is this is a very valid and interesting point that you have raised because yes you know it is the gifts are without repentance and we need to understand that and and the reality is there's so many things that we contend with as yeah. individuals and women we're one mm. and somebody um could be you can see them all stirred up in the gifts and that person yeah. is is still is either not at all operating from the spirit of God or the person is, is saved, but there mm -hmm. needs to be some sort of deliverance. And because yeah. they're not delivered, the enemy has a, we, we like to talk about a foothold or a stranglehold, you know, um, on this person. It's a very valid point that you have raised. Um, certainly a valid point. So you mentioned all of these various things. You even mentioned the ministry. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, or some more really, if you can, in some more detail about how you heard from the Lord and he was talking to you about, you know, the fact that this is a curse on your life because of what your ex-husband did. I mean, what was your, how did you come to that full understanding and, how were you able to to navigate that and i ask that question because i know that there are women who struggle with the fact that god says he he loves marriage he jesus even said he, that's not what he wants he did not want divorce mm -hmm. um people have to contend with the the, the attacks of the enemy and deciding whether or not, you know, 
this is a move of faith or a move of fear. I ask that to, to, to ask you to just tell me a little bit more about what you went through in this decision-making process, you know, including what the Lord said to you in order to separate and then come into this divorce. Okay. So Trisha, I have been like the kind of person that I walk in favor. I walk in blessings as to the hand of God and it seemed like that for the first part of our marriage, you know, we were growing in wealth, like growing in property. I, you know, we bought two properties, we bought three, two houses, land. So we had all of that and um, things were going well. And so even though he was doing little things, like he would pull money out of my account and, you know, I would see 40,000 missing and he would say, oh, I paid the bills. And then the light get cut off because the bill wasn't paid. And little things like that, it started to wear on me. Where is this money going? What is he doing? He says, oh, I'm putting it into the business. And, but that business never made money. The, the, the real crunch when we started to really struggle was when I left my good full-time job and said, this is it. The Lord called me into education. You see, the moment you, you sense that this is your calling, whether or not it pays well, this is what God calls you to be, to teach. And you're going to do it. You are going to also go through some rough periods. But that's when the things that need to shake off must shake off. The things that need to come off and, and be separated from you. And, and God was giving me that opportunity because the minute I left and went to study, he couldn't uphold the, the, the family. He couldn't take care of, take care of me, our, our young baby. He couldn't do anything. And he was absolutely upset. He was so mad that I left this cushy job that was taking care of him and his, his girlfriend and, or his baby mother. And um, now I am barely making, making ends meet and he's struggling and she's getting upset because he's not taking care of her like he used to. Now, going fast forward that now and me going through different things, I would get opportunities like that, big opportunities to get jobs, to get, um, to get a teaching job and in the States. And something always happened for me not to get the job. I would get these interviews and I would do so well on the interview. People just want to hire me. And then something happened. Either it's a legal issue. Um, I didn't get through with the paperwork. Something would happen to stop me. And, then, and so when it happened again in what, 2015, I said, God, what is this? The principal wants me. Everybody wants me. And I, didn't, I, I wasn't even favored. I didn't get through with the visa. What's going on? And the Lord says, you're under a curse. This is coming through. This is coming from praying and seeking God's face and saying, I'm not used to this. I know my husband is used to this. You know, my ex, he's used to getting to, to get to almost getting contracts, almost getting this. So what is this? I would just hear the Lord speaking into my spirit. This is a curse. You're under a curse. You have covenanted in marriage with someone who is under a curse of poverty and lack. And so you have come under that curse with him. This is why this is happening to you. And then there are other times when things just don't work as, you know, things that should work out for us don't work out for us in, 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 in the States. And I would say, Lord, why? And the Lord says, he's not being honest with you. He's not treating you right. He's, he's, he would say, okay, this is the agreement. Whatever I make, I will give you 80% for the family or 60%. And he will give me less than 60% because he lies about the amount that he got. And there are times the Lord would call me to find out. There was a time as well where I knew he was cheating, but I had no proof. And that was like in 2017. And I said, God, you have got to give me proof. I know he is because I'm sensing, I see stuff on his phone. 
he hides, he, his phone is always locked, always locked, and he hides it, and he's always on calls. Please show me, and the Lord worked it out, that he needed me to do something for him on his computer, and he left it, he left it open. And through the computer, I saw the mails, and through the mails, I got into the Messenger and the Facebook, and oh my Lord, I was invited into his world, and I realized he was living two separate worlds. One that's ministry, one that is this pornographic, um, very, very deceitful, very sexual. The whole line of perversion was all there for me to see. And I saw part of my spouse that I never knew. I would not have known that that existed. Had not God showed me, because I am not a curious person. I don't fast into his business. I respect his privacy and he loves that. But the Lord allowed it and gave me that window to show me, yes, I have been speaking to you all along. Yes, he's not been honest with you. And you need to move. You need to do something. Act on the information that you have. And one of the ways I acted on it, I don't even bother telling him, say I know. Because if I tell him, he's going to wear me down. And so I just kept quiet. I just went into prayer and fasting. More revelations come. More support and help come. So that when it was time to make the step, I could make it and never turn back. Thank you for listening to Smart, Fabulous, and Single. If you loved it, please download, subscribe, rate, and share it. Then head over to our website at www.sfswoman.com to access show notes and other fantastic bonus content and resources, and to sign up as a guest. You can also sign up to continue the conversation in our Facebook group. If you want to share topic ideas, email me at pod at sfswoman.com. Okay, so thanks again and don't forget to join me for new episodes Mondays to Fridays. You can also connect with me on FB and IG at Smart, Fabulous and Single. And remember, what you have on the inside of you is far greater than your circumstances, weaknesses and fears. So you already have everything you need to live life successfully.